I'm Nicholas Bornaus of Capitaling, and uh, we just finished uh, the uh, introductory panel on safety first uh, with Graham Henderson and uh, the Together in Safety uh, initiative uh, with CEOs of uh, major industry participants supporting that uh, initiative. And now we're coming to uh, another extremely interesting session on how safety standards are upheld throughout the globe. And we are gratified we were just discussing that before coming live to have with us an absolutely top level panel that includes the maritime authorities from the US, Australia and Singapore, and also the Liberian registry and the Marshall Islands registry. And uh, Theo uh, Baldazis, the uh, managing director of Technomar Shipping, a major ship owner, uh, it is wonderful to have a ship owner actually moderate this panel because there is uh, companies uh, like Theos's company that go in and out of the ports and are exactly the uh, subject of these uh, regulations and their enforcement. So thank you uh, for being with us. Theo, the floor is yours. And thanks again. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it is a great honor to moderate this uh, panel with uh, these uh, very distinguished guests that we have uh, with us. Um, we, we, we are looking forward, uh, you know, that angle on various issues that uh, we are going to discuss. And uh, I'm quite sure that uh, the floor is going to be very happy. Uh, upholding uh, safety standards across the globe is uh, not something new. It is uh, something very, very old, but it is always in fashion. It is uh, going on and on for the last uh, 30 years and so on. And everybody is, uh, you know, very focused on uh, safety standards, and uh, uh, they're looking very closely what are the next moves and how we're going to move uh, into the future. Uh, I have to say, from uh, my humble experience of the last 36 years that I'm doing this job, that uh, I have seen a tremendous evolution uh, in these uh, standards and. Uh, I believe I'll just put a very quick note on that, and then I will allow uh, the panel to elaborate on. Uh, those years, I mean, uh, when I was a young uh, superintendent engineer, everybody was looking on structural elements on ships that uh, they, they were substandards and trying to maintain. Uh, but after the introduction of uh, common rules, uh, uh, things have changed dramatically. And I have to agree that uh, uh, the, the last uh, 15 years, uh, it is rarely the case that structural uh, problems do encounter uh, around the globe. Mainly, we do have uh, problems regarding uh, uh, STCW, we're having problems with MLC, and uh, of course, uh, the, the last evolution, as I've seen it, uh, regarding these inspections is that they're going more uh, like a vetting inspector compared with what we've done uh, the last uh, 30 years. I have to say that uh, uh, the panel is uh, tremendously uh, distinguished and I will introduce quickly our panelists and uh, I will pass the floor to them with uh, uh, spark, let's say sparking the discussion with uh, the first question. Uh, we have with us uh, the, 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 it is a random order that I'm introducing uh, the panelists because I, I have very much respect for all of them. 
Uh, I have uh, Captain Wayne Arguin from uh, US Coast Guard. Uh, we have Mick Kinley from Australian uh, Maritime Authority. We have uh, uh, Mr. Gia Anand from uh, Singapore Port Authorities. We have uh, Brian Poskaitis from uh, Marshall Islands Registry. And of course, Michalis Pandazopoulos from Iberian Registry, Greece. And um, I will uh, start with a very simple question, uh, unless anybody from the panel would like uh, uh, to put any comment on my legal introduction. Great. The very simple question that uh, I'm looking forward and would like you know, to elaborate a little bit on is what do you foresee the future role of port head control is going to be? And uh, I would like to, to start, let's say, with Mr. Gia Anand uh, on this. Uh, it is again random, Mr. Gia, uh, so I will go in random order. Uh, what do you foresee is going to be the future role of the port head control? Yeah, okay. Uh, thank you, Theo, for giving me the floor. So, from my perspective, is that the, the role of post control is still remain very crucial uh, in this uh, era. They are very important uh, aspect of inspection to ensure that we continue to eliminate the substandard ship and also to make sure that the ship sailing with uh, uh, safely sailing around the globe, the, our globe. So, uh, for me, uh, I can envision that the, in future, the port state control role may be more to a, a collaborative approach uh, where they should work more with the owners, uh, uh, ship owners, managers, and also the seafarers instead of uh, just enforce it uh, alone. Uh, if you compare uh, maybe like what you say, Theo, uh, maybe 30 years ago, uh, when probably before or just port state control want to uh, just uh, started the campaign, you can, we can see that a lot of uh, probably more substandard ships around the world than current that we have. Definitely, there's an improvement, the way how we see. And uh, with the, especially with the wetting uh, inspection program by uh, oil majors as well. So this, these activities has actually uh, improved our ships that uh, are trading around the world. And uh, with our experience from the ground now, um, what we see that when we our positive control go on board, we can see that uh, the seafarers actually, uh, they like to uh, uh, talk more to the, our policy control officer where they want to learn more from us instead of uh, they just uh, uh, just waiting for, for us to give instruction. They want to learn more in terms of regulation, what's happening, uh, what regulation is going to come up. So I think this is a good thing uh, with this uh, approach. That's why we're thinking that uh, it would be good that the policy control officer also will be uh, more on a collaborative uh, sharing their experience, sharing the knowledge that they have and the particular time that when they are on board so that the, the seafarer also can continue to upgrade their skill as well. And beside that, uh, we, need, we should foresee the uh, digitalization where the new technologies come about, where the process control need to learn more on the IT technology as well uh, instead of uh, just uh, equip themselves with the maritime knowledge. Uh, one of them is that uh, we're using the, the technology to do the remote inspection on board as well. So uh, the post control need to go on more trainings on a particular aspect uh, to, to, to move ahead with the new technology. So that's what uh, my comment is. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Gia. That was a very comprehensive uh, reply. 
Uh, I'll pass the floor to Captain Wayne. Captain Wayne. Thank you, Theo, and 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 good morning, everyone uh, from DC. Uh, I, I would completely agree with uh, with with all the prior comments, and and I would say that um, you know, in my 29 years, we've we've shifted. It's it's obvious that the fire mains falling apart. You don't have to really. Uh, be super skilled at understanding how that system might work and how it might fail. And uh, if you look at today, um, you can look at a system and not really be um, not be aware of how many different ways that it can fail based on the technology that's currently being used to operate and automate many of these systems. I think for for the future of port state control, there must be collaboration. We must be there must be a layered defense to safety. And so each, each of the entities, whether it's the actual ship owner, the crew, whether it's the flag state, the port state, the classification society, they all play a role in identifying and they're just more eyes looking for potential problems so that we can prevent those bad things from happening. Uh, much easier to prevent those on paper than it is to deal with uh, a post-casualty response. I think also that there must be continued collaboration um, to identify and continue to incrementally raise the bar for safety. So as we identify those things that, um, that may need some additional work and refinement, either through IMO or through other mechanisms, that we share those best practices and find ways to continually sort of ratchet the, uh, the standard. But I will tell you from my, my initial entry into the, uh, into the port state control world um, to today, we have absolutely had the desired effect of increasing safety to uh, to, to move cargo, a much safer opportunity for the seafarers that have been taking care of us um, throughout history. Fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Captain Wayne. Uh, Mick, uh, you have any more to add? I'm quite sure you have. <laughs> Sorry, Theo, was that Mick or Mikhail? Mick, Mick, Mick. Ah, Not ah. you, Mick. You. <laughs> I leave Michalis later because I, I try to have a different angle between uh, Michalis and Brian okay. to your comments. So I'll just gather <laughs> you in groups. Yes, Thank you. okay. Um, and I'd certainly agree uh, with the, the previous comments. Um, port, but my point of view, port state control is not going anywhere. Um, I had a look at our last detention list for the last couple of months um, just before I came on and, and I see we're still detaining ships for fire dampers, emergency generators, um, emergency fire pumps, the same things I was detaining ships for 20 something years ago. So there are still issues there that port state control has still clearly got a role. Um, what I would like to see Port State Control do, though, is when we're talking about safety, is actually do more to stop seafarers getting killed. Um, and it was very interesting to watch the last session with Graham Anderson and, and, and the team on Together in Safety, which I think is a fantastic industry initiative. But that, that again, is the leaders of the industry, the good operators in the industry. Uh, what we've got to do is get to the ones who aren't so good in the industry uh, and bring them along because they're, they're basically putting the rest of the industry to shame. Um, one of the first emails I opened up on Monday uh, was <laughs> this lovely picture here, and it's a 
you can't see it, but it's a pool of blood, a hard hat and a boot where a, a chief officer fell uh, and was killed on a deck on a ship on our coast. Um, I, that happens all the time. I can think of at least three fall from heights over the last few months where seafarers have died. And that's where I think we need to be focusing uh, that's what really matters. That's what we talk about, safety, saving lives. So um, there's a title in the Maritime Labor Convention. I think we all ignore it. It's about work, health and safety. And um, I think that's the future where we need to be looking at. Thanks, there. Thank you. Thank you, Mick. That was a, a good point. Uh, so I'll ask uh, Brian and Michalis to give us uh, their angle on this uh, very simple question. Uh, I'll start with uh, you, Brian. Thank you, Theo. That's that's very interesting. Um, uh, it's a different angle, but we are there to achieve the same goals. So, um, so that's an important statement to um, to think about. Um, again, I think uh, Captain Argwin said it pretty well too. As um, you know, partners in this, um, you know, port states and flag states are there to achieve the same goals. Mick, that brings back some real memories to me um, because when 1987, when I was training to be a port state control officer, inspecting a uh, a small um, a small ship coming into the uh, port of Norfolk, Virginia, I actually ended up doing CPR on a crew member because he fell down a hold when he was mooring the ship up and slipped on a piece of wet cardboard. And we ended up luckily saving him and getting him out of there. But it brings brings that um, back to the real, the real um, goal here is, like you said, to make sure the seafarers are safe, to make sure the ships are operating safely. And we could do that by, um, you know, uh, port state control is is there to eliminate substandard ships and shipping practices. It can also assist in raising awareness of more operational issues that can lead to putting ships and seafarers at risk. So that's an important aspect. Thank you, Theo. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Mihalis? Yeah, very interesting. And I agree with a very important role of port state control across, across the globe. Definitely what the port state control is doing is checking the vessel compliance. And it's important, but the vessel compliance is not only be complying with IMO regulation. A lot of times there are operating issues, unsafe practices that the crew on board follows. Sometimes the, the problem is improper loading or not loading uh, in the right conditions of humidity and temperature and you may have major accidents or incidents or near miss which is also an important aspect so what i will say is while the port state control role is extremely important and has been developed over the years with more sophisticating techniques and tools in my opinion, is one part of the equation. The equation ha has many more components from the ship manager, the crew that manages the ship owner asset, and to end up for the general public, because we forget the shipping industry. We, as an average citizen of a nation, I want 
protected environment. I want clean environment. I don't want to hear about accidents, about lost life, about uh, this and that and the other. So, but on the same time, I want my furniture from China, my car from United States or from Japan, and I want uh, from the coffee from Brazil and all of that. So it's not a straightforward answer. We are all responsible and we, we have the common goal, but I think the next level is to find another way of cooperating and not acting as just individual entities, class for state control, flag, charterers, uh, ride ship or commercial drivers uh, uh, on evaluating vessels. We need to find another way to take this process to a next level. Thank you. That was a very broad approach, uh, much appreciated, Michalis. Indeed, uh, uh, port state control uh, started as a second line of defense uh, to the flag and to the flag uh, requirements and uh, has been developed uh, over the years, uh, one of the major stakeholders in this particular uh, aspect. Uh, additionally, uh, of course, another major stakeholder which is missing from the panel is the classification society that uh, uh, I believe that uh, they are uh, the role of the firefighter. Uh, they are part of the flag process. You know, most of the times the ROs, the class ROs, are working with the flag and we monitor, we exchange information and all of that. Correct, correct. And we believe that uh, we see them like a firefighter, to be honest, uh, Michalis. Uh, we see them as a guy who is going you know, to come on board the ship and uh, let's say uh, uh, confirm the rectification of the deficiencies and uh, hoping that uh, the flag and the portrait control uh, will uh, agree with his uh, recommendations and let the ship go. Uh, and uh, to, the, to, the, to the actual crew members on board the ship, when the portrait control comes on board, uh, they consider him as a policeman, to be honest. That's the mentality and that doesn't change uh, dramatically, uh, I have to say. They see that the policeman came on board and try, you know, to put the finger on and, uh, you know, uh, tell them what to do and uh, detain the ship. And then they have to uh, go back to the company and give excuses why they didn't uh, have uh, everything in order and so on. Uh, we, uh, as a company, have a different approach. We try, of course, to uh, pass this culture to our crew, but this is something very, very difficult, I have to admit, because right now on board the ship, we have about 2,200 uh, crew members. Not all of them are uh, very long with us because the expansion is uh, very big over the last year or so. So uh, the mentality is completely different. We want poor state control, flag, to give us the different angle that they see the ship. And that is what we try to say to the crew members on board. We want you to take the recommendations, uh, the, 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 the problems that uh, they've been raised by the flag or by a post state control inspection positively. See what they're looking, see what they're inspecting. They're doing it for your own good and for the company good, of course. 
And in this particular approach, we, we try, let's say, to explain that detentions are inevitable to a certain degree. But out of each and single detention, we have to learn something. If we pass across the border, the, the conclusions after a detention, then we'll be able to have a better system and a better record next year. It takes time. It takes time and I believe that uh, the majority of uh, the, the, the shipping companies, they do look uh, the, the comments that you put on a piece of paper positively and not negatively. Of course, it had sometimes that we are, lose money, we are losing money out of it. But the aim is to, to, to maintain, let's say, extremely good safety standards on board our fleet. And the end result is going to be seen next year and the year after. This is something that, uh, uh, of course, it is a cultural change that it happens in, in now company over the last 10 years. And uh, I, I believe uh, we're seeing results uh, uh, in our system. Uh, thanks, Michali, for giving also the commercial aspect of these inspections, because uh, it is something that sometimes has been forgotten. But uh, for us, uh, it is very, very important that uh, out of uh, a porcelain control inspection and uh, all the deficiencies that they put forward, immediately they've been transferred to right ship records and uh, that creates uh, a burden on our back, uh, explaining the right ship what happened, what was wrong in order to improve our uh, safety standards. We cannot avoid it. It happens, uh, in, especially in Balkarias, for a prolonged period of time. Nowadays, it's a new era for container syndrome. And we have to live with it. And uh, we're looking forward, you know, maintaining a good record uh, for this uh, right ship because this gives the commercial aspect of the whole operation. The safety, we appreciate uh, your effort. And uh, believe me that uh, we are doing also a lot of uh, hard work in order to uh, uphold these safety standards across our fleet. I have to draw now a little bit of attention on uh, uh, what is happening around the globe. Uh, we've seen uh, from uh, our experience, and uh, as uh, uh, I have said uh, in our preliminary meeting, uh, we are having something like 250 post-state control inspections every year. The result out of these inspections shows that uh, there is uh, not a hundred percent consistency between MOUs inspecting ships, uh, and they have a different uh, point of view. And uh, I was wondering if uh, there is a kind of an approach that could give a consistency between the various uh, MOUs around the world when we carry out the inspection. Is that possible or if this is a kind of a dream? I'll start with uh, Mick Kinley. <laughs> now that's a very easy question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, in, in an ideal world, we shouldn't have MOUs. We should all be doing port state control under the umbrella of the IMO. Um, and I've said as much, I guess, of the two MOUs that we're members of. So. Um, 
I, I think we we should be working towards getting to that global MOU. Um, but unfortunately, what I certainly see is that once you have an MOU and you set up a structure and you have um, meetings and things happening, things just take on a life of their own and, and they, they have no plan to end ever. So um, we have been working across the MOUs a lot more than we have in the past. Um, so I think we are... You know, improving gradually, but um, I think what we also do also see, though, is that one MOU will think they will change and they will be doing something bigger and better and they're the best system. Um, everyone else should follow them, but then they'll be going in a different direction. So it's, it's, it's the old expression, it's going to be a bit like herding cats. Uh, it's going to be an ongoing challenge. But but I know even within Australia, I've got around 50 inspectors just getting, trying to get consistency among my own people uh, is the holy grail and, and bringing them together and, and re-educating and those things is a constant effort. So um, yeah, in an ideal world, I think we would be doing it all under the one umbrella of the IMO under their procedures, but uh, I can't see a path to that just yet. Thank you, Mick. Captain Wayne, Captain Wayne, are you sorry. with us? Sorry, I had uh, had mute issues. Um, oh. You know, so I I would agree. I, I would say in an ideal world, we don't need port state control and we don't need classification societies because crews and ships take care of those things themselves. Um, so you know that is the sort of you know altruistic sort of view of the, the deck plate level folks that find those small safety issues have the ability and are empowered to get those things addressed and they have a complete alignment all the way up to the top of management. Um, and again, I don't think that you're ever going to get that because there are different opinions about, you know, sort of all the different pressures that are on shipping these days. Um, but personally, I think, you know, I've told all the folks that, that I work with, my job in prevention is to put response out of business. If I do that right, you don't need helicopters. You don't need to be able to do oil spill response. We prevent all those things from happening uh, from the start on paper or before they become major issues. I think on the consistency front, um, we have this conversation uh, in the United States with our domestic fleet all the time. Everybody wants flexibility, but they want consistency. And those two things are at polar opposites. Um, and so I think the, the, the challenges with trying to gain consistency with a very diverse fleet and a very diverse fleet of inspectors, um, that, that's a, I think that's gonna just be an ongoing challenge and a goal that, at least from the Coast Guard's perspective, we're doing some things with our training, um, some continuing education, if you will, to provide the latest information. You know, when I came through the program, um, you got your qualification and then that was it. You just kind of built your uh, experience base, but there was never any recurring training and uh, we've changed that. We've, we've looked to provide sort of, here's the latest information that's coming in, not only from IMO, but from our own domestic policy to refresh that information, keep it current for those folks that are going out and doing the inspections. And I think the other way to, to at least move in a direction of consistency is going back to that collaboration, sharing those best practices that when we, uh, when the United States Coast Guard finds a sort of recurring problem across a fleet, that we shared that across the globe. You know, if we found that uh, there's a particular problem with the fire damper, 
we make sure everybody knows that here's the issue that we found and we should all approach that from the same perspective or at least get a different opinion on it. Um, so I, I think we're always going to be challenged with finding that sort of consistent approach. It's human nature. People have, um, you know, experiences and focus areas. Um, but I think that also doesn't get us into tunnel vision. If everybody's exactly the same and everybody's lined up looking at the same sort of problem from the same direction, you don't have that sort of 360 degree view of the problem. You may miss things. So um, I'm, I'm not so much of a, a, a stickler on everybody's got to be exactly consistent because I don't want to miss things. I want different eyes and different perspectives looking at that problem set with that ultimate safety goal of making sure that those folks don't have problems on that ship and that you can bring your cargo in efficiently, distribute, and then leave um, as efficiently as you, as you can hope to be. Fantastic. That was a great uh, reply, Captain Wei. Thank you very much. Mr. Jim? Yeah, uh, I think from my perspective is that I agree with uh, Mick that, uh, of course, ideally, we can, we should have one global, probably from IMO example, uh, one global procedure and uh, consistency apply across the globe. But I think it's, it's not uh, the way now. And uh, probably for me, it's quite lucky uh, in terms of consistency because Singapore is just one port and uh, and it's much easier for me to manage the consistency among all the postal control officers. Uh, we can just talk easily and have a meeting and uh, to apply the same approach rather than uh, uh, individual uh, or maybe a bigger port, you have an individual behavior, individual, the way how you do your conduct, your, your postal control uh, inspection. So that's lucky on my part. And, uh, and what we can see is that probably there is more, we can see already um, a lot of collaboration between MOU as well. Example, Tokyo MOU, Paris MOU, we are working closely. Uh, and also there, will be, there are also initiative on the officer exchange as well, where we can uh, calibrate uh, each officer, we can send over to the other MOU or both MOU or two MOU can come together to have uh, some seminars and exchange ideas and best practices. Probably this type of uh, situation, this type of arrangement can be done more moving forward so that uh, we can uh, share best practices, we can share our common approach, and we can uh, calibrate accordingly so that, uh, like, uh, like you, like you operating uh, so many ships go around the world, uh, it's much better for the ship owner to understand rather than to apply different, different approach from different countries and uh, different MOUs, which uh, I think is quite tough to manage uh, in such a way. Uh, thank you. Fantastic. Before I move to uh, the different angle, as I, I say, and I would like you to excuse my ignorance for asking uh, such a question. Is there any kind of organization like uh, the classification societies have, like the IEX, that uh, the, the post-aid control regimes, they do gather together and they exchange views? I don't know. Mick? Um, yeah, well, the... Uh, periodically, the IMO has had workshops with the all the, all the secretariats and the chairs of, of all the MOUs uh, at IMO headquarters. Okay. That would help a lot, I believe, you know, collaboration. Uh, um, uh, we also tend to have the... In yeah. Mick, could you repeat, please? Yeah, so 
so the, um, the the IMO workshops, but also there are the invitations. And I know Tokyo, I know you in Paris, I know you uh, have mutual invitations to workshops and that it comes to the Tokyo MOU so uh, and I think Paris MOU so there, there is a lot of cross-fertilization that happens. Very good that would help a lot so I'll go back to uh, Mike Michalis uh, what is your point of view on that? I think um, I want to uh, repeat uh, uh, a statement that uh, Captain Wayne from US Coast Guard, if uh, you managers manage well your ships and the crew are well-trained, port state control is not required. <laughs> I think this there is a lot of gist, a lot of value in such a statement coming from uh, a port state control official. Definitely, you know, there are, of course, we are talking only about the top three MOUs, Tokyo, Paris, and US Coast Guard, but there are, there are another 10, okay? The Indian, the, the Black Sea, the South Mediterranean, the Caribbean, etc., etc., that they still look. But the point is, is one thing, and I think it's easier, to have all port state control or even the three major ones to agree on a pre-described list of items that they check because as everybody said we check against IMO regulation so STCW, SOLAS, MLC etc etc so this is rather easy to have one checklist worldwide the difficulty is when you have to go into safety practices and operational practices by the crew on board the vessel and in that aspect, I think it's very difficult to come up with a certain set of pre-described uh, description or uh, items. And also in their training of all different, including as Mick and uh, Wayne and Chang uh, said, uh, training of their own port state control officer to, to, to approach in a uniform way, the, the inspection process. Thank you, Michalis. Brian? Uh, thank you, Theo. Let me start by just saying um, I also represent the Marshall Islands at the Tokyo MOU, and I'm actually sitting on two Paris MOU committees. So there is that exchange of information between the Paris and the Tokyo MOUs and other MOUs, as Mick had indicated earlier. Also, those, um, those IMO workshops are very important that the IMO sponsors and brings in all the MOUs and of course flag states are invited um, to those meetings also during that meeting and that's an important aspect. Uh, the one thing I, I wanted to say, um, port state control over the years of course has been a very positive influence on global safety, on ship safety, on safety of the crew, on protection of the marine environment and again port state control has always um, said that's the last safety net. That's how it's always been. It's the last safety net because they catch the deficiency that maybe the, the owner and operator didn't see. Like you said, Theo, it's a different perspective. Maybe class didn't see, even the flag state wasn't watching properly. And then the port state goes in and says they, they got something here. I think for the, uh, the future of port state control, one of the things that I think they can be more of an influence on 
is transitioning from just identifying deficiencies on ships to actually looking more at the interaction with the owners and operators with flag states as, as partners to improve that safety. I think that's, a, that's an important role. I think Mick hinted to it earlier about um, looking at the operational deficiencies that we see and sharing that information, those principles of um, partnership and transparency, because really um, with that, then the flag and the owner and operator can take further action after that deficiency is found. And that's the important thing is to change the behavior, to improve the influence the behavior of the crews, influence the behavior of operators and flag states. And that's where it could be a very productive role in the future. And that's also a, an understanding of, you know, getting away of, um, of uh, worrying about as much about commercial implications, but understanding that, that having this interaction will actually improve your bottom line. And that's an important aspect to consider. One thing we learned over the over this um, um, global pandemic was um, conducting remote inspections is, um, is a good thing, but it's highly dependent on participation of the crew and operators. Okay, just like uh, every ship out there has a safety management system, there's still ships being detained. And you know that safety management systems that are not implemented are worthless. Okay, just like that information, we, we learned doing these um, remote inspections that interaction with the crew, the senior officers, more interaction with the owners and operators, and that transparency benefits um, the whole operation. I don't think it's any real substitute or complete substitute for putting boots on the deck or in the engine room of a ship, but it's an important aspect that we have to consider more in the future that will help drive and influence global safety. Thanks. Thank you, thank you, Brian. I'll come now to you two guys. Uh, I'll leave a little bit uh, my PSC inspectors on the side. Uh, and I'll focus on you. Uh, what would you consider as uh, flag best practices to promote safety? Uh, prevention against detention and the interrelationship between detained ships by port state control and your inspector. What do you consider is going to be uh, the next step forward? Michalis. Definitely prevention. Prevention, uh, uh, it's, it's the name of the game because from prevention, the, you, can, you can teach, you, in the process of prevention, you can teach and people can learn. Uh, detention is, a, is an after effect and analyzing a detention, of course, is a good practice to get lessons and experiences for avoiding reoccurrence. In Liberia, and I'm sure in other uh, uh, stakeholders in the industry, we are focusing on, on a lot on prevention. We have established not only technology tools, but compliance regional manager in the United States in several areas, sports from New Orleans, uh, Jacksonville, and uh, Seattle, etc. We are trying now with China, in Australia, to establish open communication with port state control, with class. Uh, so detention as a fact, it should be prevention before occurring and only learn your lesson, try not to do it again as a reactive uh, uh, measure. Thank you, Michalis. 
Uh, Brian, I'll come to you now again. Thank you, Dio. Yes, well, I think one an important aspect is what's driving the performance. You have to look at the drivers of performance and try to un understand how to influence a bit more and then communicate that to uh, motors and operators, to flag states, um, to, um, you know, one of the biggest things we've seen is that um, I think like others have said, prevention is important, um, an important aspect. And, you know, of course, a, uh, you know, a pound of prevention is worth 10 pounds of response um, in that regard. But raising awareness and transparency, transparency of operations, when you have, when you know something's happening or something's going wrong, to actually communicate that ahead of time. We've seen that is one of the best tools you can do is that is use that transparency. And like I said earlier, have that interaction. We don't, you know, we, the answer is not to do more and more inspections. You know, doing an inspection is only gonna get you so far. Um, whether it's a port state inspection, whether it's a flag state inspection, whether it's a vetting inspection, um, the answer is that, that positive influence and understanding how to influence that behavior. And I think that's, um, that's gonna be one of the keys to the future. When we go out and do an in inspection on a ship or a flag state, we look, we don't go out there just to identify deficiencies and try to look for deficiencies. We know the deficiencies. They've been the same for the last 20 some 30 years, you know, firefighting, life-saving. Of course, MLC now has jumped up there and is an important aspect, but they're pretty, pretty consistent. The real thing and the real key is actually um, um, working with the crews on board the ship during the inspection and passing some of that information on to them. Uh, making sure that they understand and are aware of it and also sharing that with owners and operators that are faced with, with operating these ships day in and day out and, and having that positive influence. So I think that interaction is the most important thing and you have to look at what's driving that performance. Thanks, Theo. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I will uh, raise uh, a point uh, that it, it, it comes from the floor actually. Um, is there any way uh, that uh, you could uh, build uh, uh, predictive models uh, so you can be alerted for potential uh, risks by using data, not only collected from uh, your database, but also from uh, insurers? Insurers. What do you think about that, Captain Wayne? Yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of talk about the use of data analytics in, in across all industries, um, and we're looking at those uh, potential opportunities as well. I think um, I, I would say that that uh, that's something that we would look at, but we haven't really uh, we haven't really dabbled in just yet. Um, but I do think that going back to uh, I think it was Brian or maybe it was Michaelis point about near miss and that transparency. There's a lot of information that can be gained from a near miss incident and reporting that information up uh, so that's, that bad thing doesn't actually occur. I mean, we were, I think we're really good at going in and post-casualty investigating, trying to ferret out what that root cause was, but there's a lot of information that, that can be gained through that, that near miss investigation as well. But there's really a reluctance to point out that, hey, we, we almost hit something or we almost had a problem because of, I, I think, personally, fear of sort of scrutiny and oversight. Um, and I think we've got to just bust through that barrier 
and find ways to to gain access to that information because I think we could prevent some some uh, some significant casualties if we knew that those things something something in that safety chain worked properly, uh, but not being able to get access to that information is is key for us to be able to sort of prevent those things from happening in the future. Um, I really do think data analytics can be important, but I can't. I don't think it's going to be a supplement or a, a replacement for our boots on deck. It's going to help fine tune and focus in on areas, and those areas are going to constantly change. But I don't think we can just rely on computers to point out where the bad thing, the next bad thing is going to happen. I fully agree with you, Captain Wayne. Uh, they do help. I'm quite sure technology is here to assist. Of course, as you correctly said, uh, boots on deck uh, make the difference. Having uh, remote inspections is something that uh, on your uh, uh, area of business is uh, a little bit odd for the time being, uh, but uh, I would like also to hear the points uh, and the opinion of uh, Mr. Gia. Yeah, uh, for, for me, is that of course, uh, is uh, correct. The, we, we need to continue to uh, ensure that the ship are uh, uh, comply and correct. Uh, and uh, the crew, that what uh, Brian just now earlier said is that our policy control, there's one for, for analytic of uh, uh, insurance data. There's only one of the items that the, what the flat can use to ensure that the ship are in, in order. As a flat, actually, we use many data, uh, monitoring data uh, to, to get gather the information to, to monitor our ships. Uh, besides that, we do engage our owners. Uh, our officers uh, have been assigned to a specific uh, uh, company and of course uh, some companies we may need to monitor uh, more closely because we have over uh, 4,000 over ships around uh, Singapore registered ship around and uh, we constantly uh, put effort to monitor to engage a company and when the ship uh, get detention this is one of the indicator where we can come in and to engage a uh, so-called company harder in case they don't do their job properly and, uh, and we impose additional survey, additional audit, and, uh, and come up with a creative action to ensure that they improve. And uh, we continue to follow up, even we attend their next DOC as well, document of compliance uh, audit, to make sure that they do their job properly until they are off from our radar. So, so it's a lot of work as a flat state uh, to, to make sure that each ship are complying with the regulation to trade around the world. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Mick, any comments on that? Mick, do you have any comments on that? Probably something wrong with his microphone. Uh, I will uh, raise a, a, a large... Um, yes, I have the Sorry. model and where I'm hoping to try it out next month uh, based on incident data from the... So, uh, a very last question, uh, if I have the time, uh, Nicholas, it is a very quick one that uh, I will wrap up uh, the whole uh, panel. Uh, what we need, uh, we need to work hand in hand. I mean, uh, post-aid control, flag, class, owners, managers, crew, insurers, everybody has to work hand in hand. This is something that needs transparency. This is not something that it needs to exchange views, to 
to exchange data, to exchange experiences. And uh, I, I'm looking forward in the near future when uh, Nicola is going to organize something that we could elaborate a little bit more on how all of us, all the stakeholders will be able to join forces and move forward. Nicholas, the, the floor is yours. Well, all I will do is say a tremendous thanks to all of you. Uh, I know that uh, for our Asian friends in particular, it's uh, quite late. So thank you to all of you for being with us. It's been a great panel uh, and also for, cap for the captain uh, in Washington, it's a bit early. So thank you everybody for putting in the time to make this panel such a great success. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Appreciate uh, your support. Thank you very much, everybody. Appreciate your help. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dale. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.